0: To the Boundary to Boundary podcast with myself, Dave, and Buzz. I feel like every time I introduce us as Dave and Buzz, but people are probably going to know by now, unless it's their first podcast, who we are. It's just, a, I think it's you find it rolls off the tongue slightly and you sort of go into autopilot before you know it, you've just sort of said an introduction.
1: <laughs> well, no, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the way that I said it, I think on the first or the second episode, I think we just talk and it's just, I want, I, I always wanted it to feel. Like the listener is just turning on and walking into a conversation. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Strolling, strolling, strolling into some drivel about cricket, and that's uh, yeah. that's the main thing. But um, have you heard IPL is kaput?
0: Yeah, I have. Sadly, it wasn't so unexpected. I guess uh, I think mean, we discussed this previously, didn't we, in terms of how we thought it might play out? But it's hard. It's hard to go against. The grain at the moment with what's going on in the world, it would have been a big statement, probably a step too far to play it. Um, and when it's when it fits into such a small window already, Mm. the bigger picture realistically is the international schedule. And if they thought it was going to overrun with that, then it's the right decision, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, like you said, it's not a shock, um, it's annoying, it's devastating. Uh, I think a lot of the players will be financially gutted about it as well yeah i think there's there's going to be there's not many players that go around so oh, i suppose the ipa might be slightly different you know it was it was actually a question that i, I wish i asked crossy was um you know how many players are, are literally just doing it for a meal ticket just strolling around the world you know going into teams because at the end of the day, it's their job, and it? it's a way of life. It's just another another. I, gig. I think
0: it's a it's a question you'll never know the answer to, because I don't think anyone would openly admit to that on camera. Because but only someone maybe in hindsight, once they finish playing, would they Every, come out and oh, say that? Yeah. Because you because if someone was to say that, it it, it defeats it, it. It would go against everything that they're. Who
1: that what, what was that? West, what was that West Indian called? Um Smith. Um Dwayne Smith. D- Dwayne Smith the. the yeah, medium pace bowler just smoked it. Yeah, and played. All, he went all around the world doing it, and then he kind of just came, started teetering on the edge of his, you know, performance-wise, and just floats. I, I guarantee he's still doing it. I still, he's, he'll be all over the, all the, over the hockey. It's just like it's like watching a, a Premier League football player ending up in League Two.
0: Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to knock or going to the MLS. It's hard to knock someone like that because. At the end of the day, when it comes to sport, the career, your career paths are so, or your your longevity of your career is so small, mm. and when you're given offered that golden ticket, you, you'd be mad to say that you would you not doing it for that reason. Like without being disrespectful, the leagues like the Pakistan Premier League or the Bangladeshi Premier League or the Canadian T10, mm. these competition or G10, whatever it is, these competitions would would be, wouldn't be where they are about the money that's been invested into them. Yeah. So. It do you is, think, do you think with the with IPL
1: now being cancelled, that's gonna maybe help these competitions? Because obviously they're going to be coming on later on in the year. So do you reckon they're going to get a, a maybe a bigger viewership because the IPL's missed out, or certain you know maybe some other
0: players <laughs> that are now going to become more available for these? Uh, who knows? It flips sorry, it flips on its head though, doesn't it? Because the players that become available, there's also risk losing ones that the players that were selected were selected because they were the best players and the wanted at the time no one's yeah. going to become available now that potentially wasn't available then you'd imagine yeah, uh, yeah to be honest with you it's hard to know I, I think we, when we speak about being disappointed it's purely from a selfish perspective of oh, wanting of to it. watch cricket and I think in relation to to the, to the IPL I think they've they've done the right things where's it going where's it going to go it's not this one year's not going to affect it too much we're talking about serious amounts of money being invested here by people who are fanatical about the game so, this is where I know it's different. Like, you look as if it was comparatively with a competition in this country where the hundreds being funded by a national governing body, it's a very different, a very different picture. Whereas out in India, you've got these owners who have got multi, multi billion pounds Ooh, who, yeah. who love cricket and they're not going to turn out next year and go, I made loss last year, so I'm not going to invest in it again this year. They do it because they love the status. Like, the only thing bigger than a, a professional cricket player. In, in or an international cricket player in India is someone that owns a franchise and brings yeah. franchise cricket. So, that in that model, I don't think this is going to even be a blip in the water for it. It's just frustrating from a, a selfish viewership point that there's no cricket available, and that would have been what would fill the time that we're currently sitting in at the moment. Oh, for
1: sure, for sure. I've just seen as well, Graham Smith's signed a full term for the um, director role of Cricket South Africa. That's uh, South Africa. oh man, South African cricket now. I think it was I think it was KP sent um, a tweet months ago saying oh, I could sort uh, South African cricket pretty pretty sharpish and he's pretty much been bang on with what he's tweeted. Uh, yeah. I think he went with uh, director being Smith, head coach being Bouch, um, bowling bowling I think uh, Nintini and I think these positions yeah. are being filled <laughs> by him. So I I don't see how South African cricket isn't. Well, I, obviously the financial. Well, side I, of
0: I, things. I, I'll tell, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing though, which which is detrimental in this case, and this is this is actually something that. So when I was in my role with Kent last year, we had a game against a Fairbreak eleven, and Fairbreak eleven's like the Lashings, but equivalents of the female side. So mm-hmm. basically, they take players from smaller nations or maybe the ones that have just retired, and it will cut a lot of current players. I think they had the Scottish captain there, um, Catherine Bryce. Um, then we had we had a couple of other good name players in there, yeah. and they they go around and play against all these different teams like county sides and equivalents and stuff like that. And I was talking to the coach who who was brought up in Australia, and he was saying it's not always the best to have a cohort of a coaching staff, all of which are of a similar era age, because then there's no diversity to the decision making process, and there's there's no different. All your input's going to be similar because you've all experienced the same things. Whereas yeah. actually, have people that have having someone who's older, younger, in a mix, as long as the personalities and they get on as a, a cohort, actually there's more benefit in having a coaching team with that makeup because there's so much more covered, so much more variety that you can bring to the table. And it made me think that it, it's kind of applicable to South African cricket loosely in that they are all of the same team generation and stuff like that. Even you look at the Australian team during the test, they brought in um, Mark War, Steve War. they had uh, yeah. one team. Gilchrist, who just retired, they've got people sitting around the table. I think they may have had Demerv Hughes involved at some point, and these are guys that st- slightly different generations They've so still got different perspectives.
1: But it's that it's that mentality, isn't it? That they they've brought in um, people who are used to being successful. They they're used to winning, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's in terms of what South Africa have been lacking for the last well, God knows how long. They've 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 lost that 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 killing edge, you know, that cutting edge that. That end product almost. Um, there's there's yes. always glimpses of it. There's always glimpses. And you know, I think there was a there was a huge statement when oh, I always forget his name, he's just signed for Yorkshire. Ali- um Olivier- Dwayne Oliver Oliver.
0: Dwayne, o- uh, Dwayne Oliver, Oliver. Oliver.
1: Olivier. Oli- Olivier. Oli- Olivier. Olivier.
0: Olivier.
1: Olivier. Um, but it was that was a huge statement that someone who's played, you know, test level has then said, no, see you later. Um, there's more. Chance and opportunity to, to do it for for England now. Granted, it will be in a fantastic spot because of that, um, but it's such a such a negative thing for for South Africa to go through. And it's actually in 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 cricketing terms, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see one of the
0: biggest nations well, having that sort of reputation. Absolutely, and I, I think. Every, but the difference is, is how you deal with these periods. So I get there's a lot more politics going behind the scenes in South Africa, cricket. I'm not going to get into tax, I don't know enough. But when you look at at, at periods in cricket in history for each nation. Every nation's gone through a difficult period. You look at the the reason they're in the position they're in is because they lost Graham Smith, Jack Callis, McCarrantini, loosely AB De Villiers, he kind of stuck around a bit longer, Mark Boucher. They lost that core side that was yeah. so effective for them. And they had a few like Quinton de Kock, Faf Dupacy, AB that actually stayed and carried them through, Dow Stain. But what they did, that's four players they then had to. They then never got the right. You had I guess Imran to here as well. They potentially got it, but they've lost such key players in such key positions. Mm. So uh, a top order bat, um, or cut the top order bats, and solid, solidity in that middle order. And, and and when you get to that, that's that's a big effect. I mean, I think back to the Indian team. They were ripped apart when their generation retired. The Australian yeah. team, the, the 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 Ponting, Gilchrist, Hayden there's a funny story that they were, they were due to retire, weren't they? All together. And they were at a wedding. I think, I think it might be Langer's wedding. Apparently, Ponting said, they all sat around a table and went, should we go go for a bit longer? And it's like, they all retired at the same time, which left Australian cricket in such a bad place. England, England team have done it, have done it well. They've, they've staggered it really well. Admittedly, we've had a lot of stick for the, never been able to fill the other opening spot. But the, You don't. I can't think of a time when England just got left completely in the lurch. Well,
1: the 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 only time would have been probably um, when Swan when Swan left prematurely, halfway through an Ashes series, where he just kind of threw the towel. Um, uh, Jonathan Trott, maybe, you know, for 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 things that he at the time couldn't really control himself. But when he left, that was an unexpected. And I, you could probably argue the situation with the openers is, is Alistair Cook, what, what was he, 32, 33? I couldn't imagine them planning him to retire when he did. I think they would have probably... No, uh, we're talking about one or two positions here, though. I think we're talking about one or still, two positions. They're still, still, still key positions, though, aren't they? I mean, if you look at that <laughs> yeah. team now, it took a while for... like Joe Root was not ready for to take over the Jonathan Trott position, and that was where he was always shaped up to be. Um, we still haven't really found a, or you know, a, a consistent opening pair. I th- you know, w- we're getting towards it now with Burns. I think Burns yeah. is, which is, which is, a, I think, a real great, great statement as well for for someone to to have done that away from the traditional uh, Lions esque pathway. You know, he, he's churned runs for half a decade to to get to get to the
0: position
1: he has and sometimes sometimes you've got to go on stats i know you know, yeah. you know either way you can he can always fall back on that um simply crawley coming in i think that they're going to be an interesting pair um yeah. yeah you're probably right i think that the biggest thing now though is when you're looking at when anderson and when broad go this is where we've got to be kind of thinking okay who's going to be our next you know, spearhead and Archer is obviously the first name that's going to come to everyone's lips. But we have got to make sure that we've actually got a bowling unit.
0: Yeah, but I, I feel like potentially maybe getting biased from being the country. We're, that's one area that's been identified for a while. And the good thing is that you're not going to lose them both at the same time. Mm. Anderson will probably will, will go before Broad. I reckon Broad still got a good two, three, maybe four more years in in those legs just purely oh, because oh. of just because of how so. efficient he's been. Two years, four years is a stretch, eh? Four years is a stretch. He only plays one format. That's that's the advantage. Again, it's long format, but he's not overdoing it. You're not seeing him like to the levels that some bowlers, someone like Dale staying in in South Africa, he's yeah. relied upon in all three formats. He's yeah. gonna. Ha- I reckon Broad will have more longevity because he's needed in short sharp bursts. And mm. then you've got someone like a, someone like the bowling unit we've got around that England side. You've got the Sam Curran's that can run in and do the work for Broad. Broad can be used sparingly, like he is at the moment. You is look he, at how Broad's role's probably. change. It,
1: do, you do you reckon Sam Curran's good enough to be the the figurehead of what we're looking for?
0: I think if he carries on at the root the way he is, I think he absolutely is, is, is good enough to do that. I, I don't. The thing is, like we've had this conversation before. Express pace isn't necessarily what's needed to be one of the best open bowls. He needs to put a little bit more on. Mm. But what Sam Curran comes from is a place of control. Beyond yeah. the pace, someone like Joffrey Archer, you're looking at him as you 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 have a discussion with someone, they wouldn't even credit Sam Curran in the same sentence as Jofra Archer because he doesn't bowl anywhere near as quick as him. Mm. Whereas actually, I remember having this conversation. It was day day two of the test, the Ashes test at the Oval, and I remember it was when um, when Butler Butler and got out in that morning for like seventy odd. Leach got about fifteen odd, and then we then literally we started bowling after about. Ten, ten overs, I think Mitch Marsh got a fire for, mm. and um, and I just remember looking at the attack, thinking there's one bowler here that's going to get the, that's going to be the, the difference maker for us on how they were bowling, and that was Sam Curran. He was causing so many problems, and I, yeah. I remember saying to Mate and going, they they're struggling against him. They Chris Wokes, they're playing him with ease. Jofra Archer, they're playing him well now. Uh, Stuart Broad was he got Warner, but then he didn't really pose many other threats, and and it mm. was interesting because he goes so much under the radar. Maybe. When if he is responsible for spearheading the attack, it might have an effect in him, and he can't do it. Maybe he does prefer to be under the radar. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say though that I would put him as as my frontline bowler. I just think it allows Broad to go for a bit longer because he knows he's got overs in. So it'd be job. Do like Archer, Broad, Wokes, Curran, Stokes. Yeah, and then you and then you could potentially you chuck a spinner in there as well, whether that's a Dom Bess or whether that's a Parkinson down the line, you don't know. But and then you've got a lot, you've got a lot of young, talented quicks as well coming through. I mean, I think someone like Jamie Porter is is, is deserves to be mentioned in that conversation. Mm. I think if if Ollie Stone could stay fitter for longer, he'd definitely be in that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is the thing we spoke about at length, haven't we? About specialising in, in formats, and I think. Stuart Broad will be a prime example of just how effective that can be.
1: Well, I think that, that that comes from a place of age, though, as well. You know, we, you know, we used to talk about specialising in formats. I think you've got to, you've got to, at a certain age, just kind of have a look at your game and go, okay. But Broadie will never play his his form of bowling. is not suited for, for the shorter format anymore. Um, and as much as you know, you've said you've knocked on this door for so long. Someone like a Joe Root. Will he become a better red Bull player if he just gives up on the white ball game? Especially 2020. I think there's still a place for him in white ball cricket. Oh, uh, um,
0: game is absolutely. Ideal. Yeah. he's still a key mainstay in that side. But
1: <laughs> in terms of a, uh, in terms of improving his red Bull, just stepping away from the 20. I, th- I think he will as well. I think he will just end up going away because, to a, to an, to an extent, and not to be too controversial, specialising in 2020, I believe, is easier than specialising in red Bull. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Something that, that Crossy said to me, or say, not said to me, said to us in the podcast we did a couple of days ago, was he mentioned about how T20, one person can still win you a game. Yeah. And 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 how he, that's why he likes 50, he's, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it already, his favourite format to play in his 50 overs, as his point might, I said it at the start, in a live episode, I love watching 50 overs because I think it's, tactically, I think it's one of the hardest games to play and it encompasses the best of both formats. But anyway, I digressed. It's interesting because you can pick a team full of match winners in, in T20 and win a game. Mm. And that's where I don't, Joe Root, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class him as a match winner in T20. He's reliable, He's he could do a job, mm. and he will avoid you collapsing most weeks. But who, would you rather have 11 chances at winning the game or pick yeah. a player? And, and, and potentially, again, a really coherent argument for this, and I'm happy to have this with anyone, is that you don't need 11 match winners. But realistically, would you rather have an extra chance, especially from a batting perspective? Would you rather in the top seven have one extra batsman that could be explosive come off? Would you rather have someone score 40 off 20 or 40 off 40? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, okay. I'd probably going 40 off 20. But look, it's, it's it's a matter of debate. We'll be here forever discussing it. But
1: It's, it's what um, uh, Julian Wood, so he recognised power hitting coach, goes around the world yeah. with uh, his platform of power hitting. Um, very successful. Kind of of baseball, it? Yeah, so yeah, he did a lot of work in, in basically stripped back baseball hitting and developed a, a new style and new kind of concept of of power hitting within cricket. Um, and he well, he's worked with IPL teams, he's worked with all you know the best of the best, the elite, and he was saying how if he gets a player over a course of a ten to twelve game tournament to win you three games or four games of cricket, they've done their job as a power yeah. hitter. Now, as soon as he said that, it, it kind of woke me up a little bit to, to realize that you know in a tournament base that that's that is the definition of a team game. You know, you, you I you know you forget when you when you look at say the IPL when you looked at um, Warner and Birstow when they were scoring all those runs for uh, Sunrise Hyderabad. You forget about the other little things when they failed, that the odd person coming in at six and seven scoring a, a 40 or 15 balls that won him a game of cricket. Now, yes. that, that one innings, that, you know, uh, uh, oh, Collis Brathway for, you know, he, he was the example that Julian was using and just saying, well, if he comes off three times, which he, he traditionally does in that shorter format in a, in a, in a full tournament, yeah. that's why that's why he's still got, uh, no, that's why he's still coining it in as a, a decent power hitter. Then you kind of add to that someone like an Andre Russell, who can bowl as well, so he can win you games with both bat and ball and come off, say, six times in the 10. That's yeah. why they're getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. When you look at someone like a Joe Root playing in a shorter format, how many games of cricket is that individual going to win? And the, and the point that you're saying, which I completely agree with, is how, how many times do you need someone to rebuild you an in innings in a tournament? In 10 to 12 games well, in the exactly. tournament, you don't need to be rebuilding. You need to go and go and go and go and go.
0: And the nature of it, like you say there, you, if you're a 12 game tournament, you, you're targeting eight wins yeah. probably gets you qualifications to the next stage. And then a one off game, anything can happen. So realistically, if you've got if you've got a guy like you say, if you've got a top six of explosive players, mm. and two of them and two of them come off three times, that's six games they've won you. Mm. And then you talk about then you talk about targets. You target that number of eight or nine. All of a sudden, you're there. I mean, how many times do you see in these franchise competitions teams that are on an absolute mad run losing to bottom team because they're everyone's on a level playing field. Yeah. There's nothing here that is going well. That's there. That's like the that. and, and we talk about sound like my my argument sound like a Joe Root in the T20 and the arguments as well for someone like Kane Williamson is one wedgie do bat him because if you lose an early wicket in the power play, are you going to send someone like Joe Root in? Probably not. Mm. If you then lose a wicket just outside of the power play, okay, you so send you send him in, but then. You're then waiting for Joe Root to get out. He does his job, then you're waiting for him to get out. So yeah. then you're you almost there like, would you send someone in who you didn't want in the innings throughout the whole time? I would rather send someone in if he's in there for the whole innings. We're in a, we, I don't want. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, need yeah, anything yeah. to change. And that's where the mentality switched now. That before we looked at 20 overs as 120 balls, and that seemed like quite a long time. Whereas now bowlers are almost resigned to. So how do I restrict run scoring? Because batters are going to score runs. There's not enough fielders on the pitch to cover all the gaps in which they well, can score. It,
1: it. It's scary as well how <laughs> fielders almost become some fielders become obsolete when you when you've got a boundary that's under 70 meters now. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like with all the will in the world, you're stood there like, well, half a hit's going to clear me, so I'm now I'm not going to touch a ball. And you 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 know, yes, for that flat miss hit they're going to catch it, but That's not even in the batter's mindset. You know, when it comes to power hitting, when it comes to standing and delivering, they know deep down that they they don't even have to get anywhere near the middle of a bat to to clear that out. Do you know what I mean? So the 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 mindset is so different now. And uh, do you know what I love about it as well? is, You know, we've spoke about this at length, about how it's never enough. Like, you can set set any target you want, and the batting team are always gonna be like, well, it's gonna to be tough, but we can still do this.
0: And I well, love that. That's, that, that's that, another yeah. point there. That's another point there, but if you've got someone like a, a Williamson or a Root in your team and mm. you're set two hundred, you you set the target of 220, 200, mm. where where do they come into that model? Where where, do you, where when when you gonna send someone yeah. in the run of ball if you're chasing two hundred and t twenty, you're not gonna do it. So yeah. then what so then what you expect you expect a Joe Root who, then you then you look at it, right? Is he gonna go in there and score at the rate we need? No, unless he changes his game. Well then if he ch- if he's in that position too often then it has to change his game. The the, the prime example you mentioned him earlier is a Bearstow. Mm. Whereby sorry my screen's on someone like a Johnny Bearstow. When he first come into the scene, because he come in goodness sake. Sorry, my laptop keeps doing so really weird. Um yeah. So someone like a Johnny Bearstow, he comes into the team, plays Red Bull cricket, he's got lovely technique, he's he's got temperament bat for a long period of time he did he did everything England needed for, needed from him he was never he went for that summer where i think he's batted at six or seven with the gloves for England he was unbelievable yeah. like he probably averaged about 80 odds but then you look at now he's changed his game because he's now an opening batsman in the white ball you said you say it's Johnny Bairstow. what are, what as a player what are you I'm an opening batsman yeah T 20 in white ball cricket and and he's now brought in like you say that, that those partnerships with Warner the ability to to go bang, I've got that yeah, power. Yeah. Like you, you see some of his innings, his innings against Scotland, his hand speed's a joke. So mm. now you take him out of that and you put him into Red Bull cricket, his whole technique's changed. He's standing up taller, he's yeah. chasing things. He's, and and that's where I'm talking about players, some players not being able to adapt. And that's where the, the way the game's going, like you say, that anything's chaseable. But like mm. even if you're scoring 500 in, in 50 overs, like you can't go at eventually there won't be a place for someone that goes at a runner ball in, in 50 overs it will turn into like crossy said a team of 11 match winners because again one person comes off big mm. and, and you won a game like the day when someone like joe root and kane williamson are behind the rate in a 50 over game that's when you you're sitting there and going call the game's gone and that's the way the game's going
1: mm. i don't I, it's a straight it, it's an odd one because these guys that we're talking about, it's not like we're talking about <laughs> guys who aren't um, the you know, the best of the best or anything like that. It's simply um, sorry, I've just been distracted.
0: That's all right. No, don't worry. About it.
1: Um, cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Go have a cup of coffee. No, like these players are world. Well, these these players are classified as the best players in the world, and the 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 actual format of T Twenty is pushing them further and further away from from. Playing their almost their natural games and how they want to play it. Yeah, which I which I find bizarre. Like William, Williamson will continue to play Twenty Twenty cricket. We'll, we'll, you know, um, Babar Azam will continue to play Twenty Twenty cricket, and I see him as more in that, that category than anything other. But he, yeah. you know, he, he's a, he's another example though of a player that's somewhat adapted his game, but he will play all three formats. Why is why is someone like Joe Root unable to do that? That's what, you know, is it? Yeah. It, are, are these guys shifted more to white ball than to red ball? I, I, no, I don't think they are.
0: You know, I, th- I think it's a number of quantifiable factors. I mean, like the question of Root is, is it the captaincy that's affecting it? Because at the end of the day, where's his best form been for England? It's been in, in white ball cricket. Mm. His performance in the 2020 World Cup years years back. His performance is that he's put in the 50-over competition consistently. Very impressive and very reliable for England, yeah. even to date test matches he struggled slightly more and that's where he came through that's where he made his name so you've got to
1: maybe, I, it's yeah, that, maybe it's I, that responsibility I, I, I refuse to believe that joe root is not good enough to adapt this game for 2020 cricket i refuse to believe that I, I think he's too good of a player not to have the capability of what these other guys are doing the fact what you're trying to say is does he need to do that or do, yeah, we, and, have and a, also do we have enough talent to kind of almost do without him
0: yeah, and that's the point. is is It's case of yes, he can adapt. He's shown he can adapt. He's up to that level. He's good enough. But the questions are: is is the way the game's going, and the way the England team's going with the game, is is there a place for him, even if he does adapt his game, in that side? And this is a question that I think a lot of people will say yes, because you need that stability. And I argue and say, well, 120 balls, if if six batsmen face 20 balls each.
1: Yeah, i I'm, Yeah, and I mean. It's such a tough one. It's such a tough one, and it, it's so Wait, funny that, that because
0: it does
1: he, it, yeah, it does up, yeah. he's he's not. I don't I don't want I don't want to stay on this topic for too long, but yeah. he he's not an old player. He, I don't think he's reached his prime, and we've we've almost saying that he's no longer going to be looked at as a, an option for T twenty player because there are players now coming through that are they've not even thought about Red Bull Cricket. They are now devoting themselves to specialise in the shorter format yeah. and that, that, you know, that's a place for him. It, will it, will it be a detriment to, to him? And th- this is, this is when we talk about cricket and this is when we talk about orthodox players, you yeah. know, and, and how we, we talk about the, tri- the traditions. The thing that I would say is, is, is that phrase, the unorthodox, is that now becoming the orthodox? Does that make sense? So like when you look at, uh, yeah. when you look yeah. at, um, a Majib as a spinner or, or, you know, or or we're looking at a Smith as a batter in terms of their irregular techniques, you know, fundamentally, we all know that they're, they're sound and they're ticking a lot of boxes, but are these people, because they're specifying certain attributes, is that now becoming the the norm in, in terms of player development?
0: I, I absolutely think it is. I think, I think the unorthodox is now well and truly the orthodox. I mean, we we speak at length as coaches about encouraging individuality, encouraging players to, to go with what feels natural. To We're not going to throw the book at you. We're not going to tell you this is... I mean, there's even debates over when you're playing the straight drive or you're playing the front foot drive, mm-hmm. what moves first, your head or your foot. Like People are going away from these discussions now about what technique looks like and mm-hmm. they're going to down the route of outcome. And this, And when you look down, when you look at it from this perspective, it's almost irrelevant of of what you should be doing and what what orthodox look, looks like. Mm. And actually, it's it when we're looking at outcome, right? The outcome as a bowler is get the ball down that end as consistently as possible. If you're if you're a quick bowler, as quickly as possible. If you're a spinner, try and turn it as much as you can. And then, like we speak about the factors, the quantifiable factors of of performances, is it repeatable? Yes. Is it illegal? No. Excellent. And also, is it legal? Yes. And uh, is it going to cause you injury? If the answer is no to that one, then mm. why change it? Because that's the the for me they're the three three factors of success. And I think nowadays, if we if every coach uses that, that makes the unorthodox orthodox because it means there is no pre preconceived ideas on what looks right.
1: Well, yeah, this is this is the it's the aesthetics, isn't it? When when you think of when you think of the aesthetics of a cricketer, my first kind of thoughts are a Michael Vaughan cover drive and Ian Bell, you know, back foot punch, you know, they're they're the sort, you know, for me growing up as a, as a teenager, those, those are the sort of players. Yeah. That doesn't really fly anymore because those, those those sort of um, orthodox textbooky sort of players, they don't really go past only one, maybe two formats. You know, when you're looking at and when you're looking at formats now, probably the most popular is 2020 or the shortest format, shall we say. So players are going to be more inclined to design themselves around that sort of uh, way of playing than anything else. And that's with bat and ball. The fielding aspect as well. How much that's changed? There's no, you know, how many times as a coach? That you know that you say it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you stop that ball and the ball comes back in as quick as we possibly can. Does it really matter how it how it happens? And the, and the answer is no. Yeah. You know you know when it comes to I I, I look at I look at a Chanderpaul and think if he was in England would he have would he have been successful? And I think no. I think he'd have been coached out of what he naturally wants oh, to absolutely. do. absolutely. And Absolutely. I think this I think the same for Smith. And the concept about this unorthodox bowling side of things about what it looks like and if it is it is it hurting the player, there has to be a reason why we're not producing spin bowlers or mystery spinners. You know, fantastic that we've we've clearly had a huge push on leg spinners and wrist spinners within this country. And I think that stems from the likes of how successful Warren's been. Yeah, but I, you know, why, why, why do, why don't we have more bowlers that can bowl what we would call classified, you know, off spin, but can also turn it the other way? I don't understand that. I, yeah,
0: I mean, the answer is, is is hard to is hard to know because we're heading into an age where we're not, where it should encourage people to to be like this, and and actually maybe the fact that these sort of bowlers are getting more coverage now, in the same way you speak about Shane Warne as being the guy that, um. Really started wristing bowling in this country. In this, it's the first, the first, look, we've produced a lot of slingier seamers now. A lot of our, a lot of seamers now do be, do bowl slightly more slingy in this country. We don't have as many that run in and bowl with the dead straight arm, nice and tall, bring over brushing your ear. We're producing slightly slingier bowlers. Um, so you think it sounds like Tom Helm from yeah. uh, Middlesex he's able to access 90 mile an hour by being slightly more slingy. So that's something that maybe a Malinga or a, a Sean Tate would have brought in. But the reason I think is because we, the generation of Warren, you also have Murali. Every Englishman, bar none, has criticised Murali for his action. Mm-hmm. And would never, if you have a player, you would never even consider, you go, no, he throws it, I'm not going to bother. Yeah. Whereas now you're looking at Majib, Rashid, and you're now going... Okay, these guys clearly don't throw it. These guys are clearly very skilled, and they're getting a lot of media coverage now. These are the guys that we're going to try and emulate, and the kids at home now will try and emulate that. Mm. So I think we will head towards a time of that. But the, the preconceptions are that, and I think this this is guilty of, on the county perspective as well, in the past that we don't look at the unorthodox. We've never now we are guaranteed. I guarantee we are doing that because yeah, cool. people are realizing just how, how many players might slip through the net because they didn't meet the, the requirements of what we thought. Was correct, but it's it's fascinating to see where this where this game could go. But you got to look at the other reasons of why these guys do it. I guarantee behind every player like that, there's a story of why they bowl the, the way they bowl, and, and what's affecting that. And it's it's fascinating to see like, a lot of them oh. bowl, don't bowl with cricket balls when they first start. Yeah, but, and and this is, why they
1: but this is what I've said to you before, like, and I don't know if it was on a podcast or a live, but I, I spoke about tennis ball cricket, yeah, and like swing cricket and stuff like that, and. You know, uh, I think I might be wrong. Is it Sunil Narine? He learned to bowl with a wind on a beach. And that's yes. why he held yeah. it the way he, he held out the front so he, he could do. Now, in terms of in terms of street cricket. Right. In terms of street cricket that is played in this country. Um, I know a street coach really well. And he's saying that he sees some like proper raw talent but that raw talent would not be able to then be transferred into cricket on the sole basis that the formats and the, the way in which that the the individuals play street cricket just wouldn't kind of conform into what we are traditionally seen as in in terms of coaching into the hardball stuff. I I think that's a shame because we are missing out on potential skillful players. And, and, uh, you know, we spoke about how the game's evolving. That is where, this is where it's evolving from. And, maybe we're almost missing out on something like street cricket, like tennis ball cricket, like uh Wimble cricket, maybe where we could be looking at, you know, kind of encouraging this unorthodox, orthodox approach.
0: Yeah. Well, the bigger, the biggest, the bigger picture we've got to look at is what sport is, or what class is cricket in this country? Like from a, from a playing perspective, it's very much a middle to upper class game. Yeah. And you're looking at, the kids that ones that make it at county level majority of the time and I, I, I know it sounds like a very wide but the but most kids the ones that go to private schools they yeah. spend so much time working with coaches and the problem is the fact is those coaches are expected that they they will train them in the most picture-perfect way based that's because they feel that that's what their money is is that's where the money's going towards their development so that 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 level you're getting and they get, they'll get one-to-ones with loads of coaches. And, and I mean, we're always guilty. Every coach is guilty of it. Every coach will be and continues to be. Is that we watch a kid in the net. You net with someone for long enough. You don't watch them in a match. You spend all year with them in the net. And you go, right, that doesn't quite look right. And you, even even me, I, I, I really wish I could say otherwise. There'll be times when I say, right, just try that. Just try and do a bit more, bit more like that, a bit more like that. Whereas these kids don't have this level of coaching. They just do, they just all their time is spent playing matches. Mm. and then they get to the top and they because they're producing such great figures in matches they're turning around and going cracking. look okay, how well they're doing whereas in our country the class system means that the ones that are in county setups are the guys that are playing hundreds of hours of training during the winter at, at private schools mm. and they're being taught a certain way and, and, and that's not going to change anytime soon
1: but do you the think that's a- do you reckon that's because of and you know we spoke about this with ksb is that because the the situation the facilities and the the weather we are training in environments that are so far distant from the actual thing that we're training for. We are we're unable to kind of see the results, so we focus more on the aesthetics of of the of the shall we say the the processes rather than the the outcomes.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and we're we're guilty of overcoaching in this, country, in this country because we don't because of the facilities we use and the amount of time we get access to playing outdoors. We are literally limited to a season to play cricket. At. We don't get the opportunity to, to, to let players inc- find their way through gameplay. We have to train them through, through matches uh, and through, through in-training scenarios and training methods. And actually, a lot of time, we don't, kids don't develop a rawness anymore. Mm. Kids have a rawness at a young age, which again is coached out of them because of how much time we have to work with these players. Someone like a Majib, someone like a, a Rashid Khan, I guarantee they were probably picked up when they are in their mid-teens, when they had a chance to hone in on an action. In yeah. this country, anyone that's got that level of rawness, because we're targeting street cricket at a certain age, they will be. It will be. They'll get into a county setup off the back of that rawness, and they've had so. They get so much time to get coached in a certain way. As soon as something goes slightly wrong, they'll go right. We're going to get rid of that and go back to this. And it's, it's, it's. We sit and, talk, and and like I say, we've all been guilty of it. If someone continually gets out the wrong way, does things badly, it's not working for them. You'll change it and go to orthodox because it's what we know, and we know that will succeed. Yeah. and this is, and this is the fact that
1: I don't think it helps either that say you've got one player yeah you, know, you can take any talented player, you know male, female, if they're of if they're of their skill instead so they're, they're by the time they're fourteen, fifteen, they're probably being coached by three, maybe yeah. four different coaches. Yes. and it, you know and it only t- it only takes one of those coaches to have a specific agenda or a specific thought process or a a, a teaching um kind of foundation that that, you know they want to list out for everything that could contradict the three other coaches you know and I, i i i fear sometimes that when you've got a 14 15 year old you can have a conversation with that player and that player will end up kind of regurgitating almost someone else's words they lose their identity as a player they lose their uh, their natural instinct shall we say because you know you, you've you got you've got talent of course every, everyone is born with a specific amount of talent and it's, it's that nature versus nurture argument and it's you know where and it, you you level it absolutely perfectly when you when it, when it comes to the very best they've always got a story behind them of why they do what they do yeah. now are we by overcoaching, by giving this opportunity by giving so many different branches of of development taking away that story and kind of imprinting our own sort of yeah identity onto these players and therefore like i say they they lose what their natural instincts are of how they want to play the game
0: absolutely completely like like, like again the, the story you use this, this is, becoming is
1: that... a much deeper conversation than i was
0: first expecting we well this is what i love about this is tangents but it, it's all interesting tangents for me but it, you talked about Sunil on the earlier on and and the fact that he'll you, you can you can sit, remember back to oh uh, well i was on the beach and i found my way this way Guarantee yeah. you say to Majib, well, I was I was playing in my street and I didn't have much space. It's like, I think it was um, Hashimami with his backlift Because when he was batting, in, and Liam Cook's told me this story a of times. He, when he was batting in his front room, he couldn't he couldn't have his hands, he had to have his hands angled a certain way in order to be able to play shots to avoid knocking things off the wall. So we then developed that and he just went with that. He didn't change it. Mm. In this country, you ask players, oh, where did that come from? Oh, well, I played with my dad or I was coached yeah. coach this way. The, there's not the same stories. And that's because, like I say, but we're all guilty of it. You get a player, a big culture in this country is coaching one, doing one-to-one coaching, and one-to-one coaching. You want to have you want to have an impact on that player. You want yeah. them to be visibly improving, and that's why because we we start at the start of the summer and we'll work with them throughout the whole winter, and we can end up spending up to to sort of seven or eight months continually with these players working yeah. on the same things you can't, the quantifiable factors, the reason these guys that are unorthodox and successful is because they go out and do it in match play and they, and they get results in matches. They don't spend, all they spend through the winter working on their skill but we work with players and we're like, right, I want to show you that you're getting value for money for these one-to-ones and yeah. the only way of proving value for money is by showing them an improvement in the visuals of what that player's doing and then you get outdoors and is it what's best? Is it, Was that rawness actually and this is one thing I've sort of questioned myself a lot this year is, I've got a way up. If I make this change with that player, what's it gonna affect? And, and, and then that, that gets to the point I've got to be brutally honest with parents and say, look, I can change that. We can go down that route. But actually I don't want is it is it worth risking losing this massive strength that this player's got? And and this is where I don't I don't um, I,
1: it's su- yeah, it's such a hard like you're, you're talking to someone that basically eighty percent of my income is from one to ones. Yeah. And there's no in, in my opinion, there's no better training than a one-to-one and just someone that's just stood there who's invested in a player ready yeah. to to kind of do their utmost to, to improve their their skill set somehow whether they be physical or mental now that that concept of the awkward conversation with a parent and coming into them and say look i think that it's, it, it comes down it really comes down to what the player wants And, you know, I think that needs to be established so early on. And if that player says, I want to be the very best I can be, I want to, you know, I want to take my game to as far as I possibly can can take it. Those are the harsh truths that sometimes you've just got to break it down. You've just got to simply say, right, if you want to do that, that's brilliant. But we need to train X amount of hours a week. And you need to devote yourself to doing this, this, this and this. Now, in this country, we've this is how it's all set up because people actively they they get to choose. I want to be a professional cricketer. I want to be a golfer. I want to be some of these kids from around the world don't have that opportunity. It's a case of I've got to be. I've got to make myself yes. into the best player I can be. And if I don't, if I do not succeed at this, I'm going to be working as a street vendor in a you know in a corner shop or something like that. You know, and I, I think that, that, like you said, that middle class, that upper class approach to cricket, although with, with all the fantastic facilities and the fantastic opportunities that it potentially gives a player, it also strips them of the, the do-or-die mentality of success and the reality yeah. that if I do not succeed at this, I'm going to be, you know, in a very, very different uh, situation within my life.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and I think, like you say, we, we, we've sort of touched into this now. But I, I feel like the model, how many players is is it just cricket? A lot of players get into cricket for another sport. Lots of players play cricket as a second sport during the summer. A lot of players, they, they have other, like the best players tend to, this country, tend to come from other sports. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the, the players in these countries, they're more unorthodox players. They, they, they are just cricket. And it'd be interesting yeah. to see how much of the they watch of themselves, because another thing that the big culture now is is obviously through video feedback and video analysis, which is brilliant. Absolutely, the best tour coach can have is the ability to watch something back a number of times to make sure they're making the right decision for a certain things. However, some players don't even watch themselves till a certain point. They just focus on on what, what am I doing? Skill is it repeatable? And what happens there is they they start to feel they feel more, and they feel when they're in rhythm, they feel when they're correct. And I think it's a case of, like I said, there's so many different facets to this argument, and, and I could go on forever about all the different options and all the different side pieces there are. But in essence, I think that we've, we've, the original question you said was, has the, unorthodox, has the yeah. unorthodox become orthodox? And in my opinion, it, it totally has. And I, I think the reasons we're seeing such successful subcontinental teams is because they are all unorthodox. They all have levels of unorthodox about them. And I think eventually the orthodox in a player will, will the more. But then again, the the counter-argument to that is is of the four best batters in the world at the moment. This a, is a literally,
1: literally one of them.
0: One of them's is unorthodox. Three of them are all orthodox.
1: Yeah, this is literally what I was about to say. Yeah. You know, this, you know, it's going to take time. Until the but if you look at the short the shortest format that we have in our game is twenty twenty and it has only been really around in terms you know for the last ten years. Let's be honest, in terms of international stuff, it's been the last ten years. So that is why the unorthodox bowler is we have so much success within that format. Because it's still it's still so new to to cricket. You know, when you compare it against test cricket. And if you look at all the best test cricketers in the world at the moment, Yes, Steve Smith looks unorthodox, but fundamentally he's extremely sound in how he yeah. goes about and how he plays. It just shows at the at the, at the highest end and the hardest level and the, at the hardest format of what cricket is, which is test, the the, 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 the facts are the facts. The the, the the most sound technique in terms of an orthodox approach to playing cricket is you know, it's still traditionally going to come out on top. And it's a, yeah. you know nothing nothing changes that because that that falls directly into the the mental side of cricket and this is a, a topic that i want to bring up at another time i see test cricket as the mental side and i see 2020 cricket as the physical side and then the blend in between is 50 over stuff
0: yeah and uh, that 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 simply put is exactly how the game is made up now and in, in my mind. Someone, so the the best judge of a of a batsman. So when when we talk about again, this will probably be another video. When we look at the best batters in the world and we try and decide who we think is the best and why they're the best, I think it's it's how how well they do in that middle layer. It's not necessarily how successful they are in Test or or T Twenty. I think it's obviously they've got to be successful in either, if not both. Mm-hmm. But it's how they adapt their game for that middle layer because that middle layer combines the best of the two. But uh, I mean that's that's been absolutely fascinating talking in in that depth about it and actually it's it's crazy to think we started off on the IPL is I got, it's that's been quite a serious episode in terms of mm. in, in terms have. of what we've spoken about but that's the good thing is like when we talk about cricket when we break it down there's, there's lots of there'll be times when it's quite we'll talk quite humorously and, and, and quite openly about certain things and it may be like talking about cricket at a, a lower level and, and what it means to us. But there's also times when there is a lot to get into, and there's there's some real interesting points to be made, and, and that can come up from a conversation. But I, I, I've absolutely found that fascinating, to be honest with you. But it
1: it's um I think it all relies on how much coffee I get. And again, if there is a coffee manufacturer out there that wants to come aboard and, and sponsor, <laughs> boundary to boundary, I'm I'm all for it, because coffee is the way forward. Now, um I can comp- I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I I don't see I. We'll continue to we'll continue to have these conversations on the sole basis that cricket is by far the most diverse, intricate sport around in in our opinion. and it can it can throw these debates up. And if anyone's heard anything or they've agreed or disagreed with anything we've put, stick it in the comments below. Um, yeah. you know, or contact us via um, boundary boundary at hotmail.com um because you know there's different this, this is going on different platforms now so on if you're watching it on youtube stick it in the comments but if we're on any other format just um get involved if you're lucky us.
0: enough to, to listen to us on the spotify or soundcloud and you haven't got to see our faces what a benefit that is i think i might have to do it play it all back on that there we go <laughs> there
1: we go no but as always mate absolute pleasure really enjoyed that and um, yeah i already
0: thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that um, uh, until, until next time
1: next one yeah we are out